Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I haven't heard this song in a decade. It's been at least 10 years. You're obviously very familiar with the Queen, it's Queen. version of the, they did the soundtrack for the Flash Gordon movie back in like 1980, 81. It, it was, I think I only know that's the soundtrack from Flash Gordon from the Ted movie. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, Ted paid homage to it many times. Yes. They, they even had the guy who played Flash Gordon in the movie with him. No, because we were talking about Chris Paul. We were talking about Chris Paul during show prep and the third quarter he had last night in the game against the Wizards and whether that was a flash of the old Chris Paul. And Mitch immediately starts singing this song during show prep. I'm like, oh yeah, that's funny. I got I got to kick it. I had no idea you like socked it away in the mental memory bank to play it during the show. That's great. That's he's, awesome. He's been waiting four hours to bust that out. He's very proud of himself. He put it together too. last night. No, he didn't. No, I'm kidding. No, he, he didn't. didn't. But now I, I'm telling you, I'm going to pull a gambo. I'm downloading that on my Spotify right now. That is that is. Ah, um, that's good, bitch. That's good. I enjoyed that. I, I got a, I got a big, I got a big kick out of that. The mighty bitch. Um, I don't know if I meant flash like that, but Chris Paul last night for the third quarter looked like, I mean, take over a game, Chris Paul. Okay, I'm not talking like good Chris Paul, um, because he's played better recently. Uh, you pointed that out earlier. I, I, I'm talking about, hey, remember the version of Chris Paul where he would just, like, take over a game for a quarter? And it didn't lead the Suns to a win, obviously. But I kind of feel like that was almost the first time this whole season we've seen take over a game Chris Paul. The first 24 points they scored in the third quarter of that game, he assisted or scored on 20 of them. That's like vintage Suns Chris Paul, right? That's the stuff we just haven't seen so far this season out of Chris. Agree? Disagree? Oh, oh, oh absolutely. I, remember, I mean, they, when they won 64 games, they didn't blow everybody out every night. I think sometimes you, you forget how many games were... Close clutch time game. The, the, yeah. cl- the closeout brothers, I used to call them. I mean, you get that game to the five minute mark, and Booker and Paul would just basically take turn, take turns, you know, hitting fifteen foot jumpers to close those games out. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody, and I mean nobody, closed out teams like the Phoenix Suns, and nobody did it better than Paul and Booker for an entire season. Sure. You could argue in the history of the NBA. I mean, very few teams out. have had the success that they had in I've the fact, last five I, minutes of those games. B- back in April, I had all the stats and metrics in my head. I don't have them anymore, but they were historic in their oh, ability. Yeah. Clutch time sons, right? So Paul, Paul, Paul had that in him last year, and Booker did too. But again, for Chris Paul, it's, it's just a matter now of of refinding his shot, refinding his legs and rhythm, and I think we're seeing signs of that. You know, I talked about it. A while back, there was a game against the Clippers, and the Suns won the game. And I'm looking at the box score now, and Chris Paul in the game was only two for six from three and six for 13 from the field. But Eddie Johnson talked about this too. Chris Paul was aggressive with his shot. 
And even though he wasn't knocking them down, you mm-hmm. know, shooting 33% from beyond the arc, the fact is he was looking for his shot, and there was no hesitation. Early season, Chris Paul got the ball, swung it around right to him, had a look at three, wouldn't pull the trigger, right? Kind of like hesitated and then yeah. either passed it off or took it to the basket, right? But in that Clipper game, it was like he was going right up with it. And to me, those were the signs that, okay, he's starting to – He's starting to feel it a little bit. Wasn't making them, but he was taking them. And I thought that was a good sign. And since that game, now he's starting to take them and make them. And I think we're seeing signs of, it's almost like uh, like he, the, the ice cube he's been in is starting to kind of chip away and thaw out. I, I don't know if he's going to be a first or second team caliber all-NBA player like he was last year, even in late February or March. But I think if he stays healthy, he's going to be better than he is now. Yeah. And I think the where he lands on those two sort of extremes. It's going to determine a lot, isn't it? It's <laughs> going to determine a lot. I mean, it, and that's and that's why, okay, yeah, we're making a big deal out of one quarter of basketball from Chris Paul. But I, I watched that game. And other, other than my disappointment with how lackadaisically they played defense last night, it was, it was awful to watch. That was probably my number two takeaway from the game was, okay, we had like a legit Get real CP3 sighting last night in terms of not just good play, great play, elite play, take over the game kind of play. Hasn't happened. And it, it is. It's the answer to that question. There's so many things that are dependent upon that answer. James Jones basically has to formulate in some ways his whole off his his trade deadline plan in many ways is based on Chris Paul. Is many ways based on which version of Chris Paul does he have the rest of this year? Does he have a guy who's going to morph back into one of the five or six best players at his position in the NBA? Because if he does, then you can make an argument that the Suns should be in go fort mode this year. Should be looking to acquire a major Kyle Kuzma-like player for which they're going to have to give up a first-round pick, a couple of first-round picks, in the name of trying to win a championship while Chris Paul is still here. That's if Chris Paul is capable of being that guy again. If he's not capable of being that guy again... James Jones might be better off just holding on to those first-round picks and saving them for the next superstar that he could acquire in a year or so because of Chris. But the timeline doesn't match up, though. You're not going to know about Chris until probably February or March, and the trade deadline is February 9th. That's I mean, the problem. So you're you're going to have to kind of go into it. You're, you're you, can't, go into you, it. you can't guess, though. You can't. You're going to have to. You're gonna have, you're, you don't. Then, then, then guess then, then guess if you're going to pay Chris Paul all that money Guess on the side of him being back and playing at a high level. Otherwise, what are we doing? Because here? it is going to require guessing at some point. You're, you're 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 guessing because you don't have book. You're guessing because you're still probably two weeks away from Cam Johnson, maybe more. You're guessing because you're you're not going to get a complete view of your roster at all I know, until the trade deadline. But you, he's here and you're paying him. I mean, you might as well guess on the side of him being back. Otherwise, you're you're half in. Right, we're going to pay him all this money, but we don't believe he's going to deliver. So we're not going to make a move. We're not. We're not going to mortgage the future for a Kuzma. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't understand that philosophy. Not. Not you. Yeah. No. No. Like. I like. If. If that was the thinking, I don't understand that. If. If you got him, and, and he's here, he's also here next year, technically. But if you. If you that got. Can be changed. If you got him, sure, he could walk away too. Sure. But if you got him. 
the, the believe, believe he's going to get back to a high enough level that Chris Paul can be a, a influential high-end NBA player and factor in a championship caliber run in the postseason. To me, I, you, I, I think if you've invested in him and you've invested in Aiton now too, go for it. Go for it. I mean, otherwise, why'd you sign him? You got to go for it. And, and, and right now, you don't have enough. You don't have enough. No, you don't. No, you, the Pelicans would run that team off the floor as currently constructed. There's no doubt. So would the Grizzlies, actually, no matter what happened the other night. Mm-hmm. And honestly, probably a full-strength Golden State Warriors team. And who knows, maybe even the Denver Nuggets would, too. I mean, I, I mean, it's... Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I just... I, I think that... With Chris, this whole team was built on the idea that Devin Booker and Chris Paul were the, the, the were Rusty and Danny from Ocean's Eleven, right? We used that analogy yeah. yesterday. <laughs> and, and I think in order for you to make that trade for that go-for-it-now guy, You've got to see a whole lot more of Rusty out of Chris Paul than we've seen this year. You know, he. We, you've got to see. I don't think. Let's put it this way. I don't think he's ever going to get back to an All NBA third team level like he was last year. I don't think he's going to get within a, a country mile of that. Can he get close enough to that that a Kuzma type can win you a championship? That's what James Jones is going to have to do. His very best of determining over this next month or so. And in part, he's going to be doing it in the blind because he's just not going to have a complete picture. He I, never will. I also think that even in the wake of the Chris Paul era, that Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson, and if Kuzma's here, and he, he would be obviously in this scenario, if you've mortgaged a first-round pick or maybe even two, but let's say it's just one. A Kuzma, Booker, Nucleus, Ayton, Johnson... That pick's not going to be very high. Shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be. Look, so, trust me. So, so who gives a crap you, that you lose it? You are talking. I don't care about a pick. Anything after 20, whatever. Yeah. You are talking seriously to the guy who I'd sell it all for a chance to win a championship this year. I really would. I mean, it's it's just, I to me, nothing is, if you've got a window to win a championship, go take a shot. And pay for it later. Figure out how you're going to do it later. Figure out what's going to happen. I'm all about that. I just, uh, it it feels like they continue to wait, you know? And and I think part of that is just waiting to see what Chris Paul is. And and it seems like that is factoring into this decision of just what they're going to do and how aggressive they're going to be. I just think a first round pick, anything over 20 in the NBA is such a crapshoot. I mean, what? what, We're worried about about missing out on a Tyler Ennis, so we're not going to go get Kyle Kuzma. We're gonna miss a Ty Jerome. Yeah, I mean these are these are the kind of guys that are available that late in the draft. I, mean, I think the a, NBA is even more of a crapshoot than that. Yeah. Give me a break. Send two first round picks for Kuzma. I, I, that's preaching to the choir. Preaching to the choir. Yeah, you are. You're preaching to the choir right. on this one. Do it and a bag of balls. <laughs> when, we, when we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, you can text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open at 620-620. If you're a Cardinals fan, you're probably pretty excited when the Cardinals extended Kyler Murray this offseason. How do you feel about that now? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Take a hundred Cardinals fans and put them in a room. 
And you say to those Hunter Curdle fans, I like the way we look at it this way. Yeah, I like looking at it this way. Do, if you were in a position to be able to get off the Kyler Murray contract as quickly as you possibly could, would you? And you, you ask those 100 Cardinal fans that question. Um, look, I know how you would answer the question because we talked about this earlier. I know how I would answer the question. I really don't have a great read on how 100 Cardinal fans in a room would answer that question. I said, I, I said 25. Yeah. And, and, and I think you're, I think you're probably about, I think if, if, anything, if I'm shades a little bit more than that. You think but more. Not a lot more, just a little more. Think 30, a little 35. More. Yeah. 35% of Arizona Cardinal fans think Kyler Murray is a bust, too short, can't play, bad attitude, bad work ethic. Get him out of here right now, tomorrow. For whatever reason. And, and, and just to give us healthy perspective here, um, for those of us who, if you missed the conversation earlier in the show, the reason we're talking about this is there was a tweet today from Andrew Brandt. Andrew Brandt has been affiliated with professional sports, I think, his entire working life. He's terrific. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's very intelligent. He, I believe he teaches law classes at Villanova. He used to run the Packers front office. He used to be an agent. He really understands sports and how it works, right? Is he Kyle Brandt's father? No, from I don't. the NFL Network? I don't think so. They're not related. I don't believe they're related. Uncle. Great uncle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you put me on the spot here, Tim. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody Google that. Are they related? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. Andrew Brandt and Kyle Brandt. Mitch is on it. Get out of Mitch. Come on, Mitch. You were able to pull up Queen singing Flash Gordon in the last segment. I'm it sure you can. Totally find doesn't answers. matter. Continue. No, it doesn't at all. But it <laughs> derailed the thought process. But that's okay. It's fine. Um, uh, I don't care. It's all good. It's that kind of day. Um, and so he tweets out today. I want to make sure I get this absolutely right because I don't want to. I don't want to. And it, and it wasn't. You know, I like Andrew Brandt a lot. He's one of my favorite people that I follow on Twitter. He tweeted this out, and I and I thought, wow, are we here already? He tweeted out, "quote It usually takes a lot longer than six months after the deal is done for fans and media to ask when can the teams get out of those contracts." Hearing, seeing this regarding Carr, Wilson, Murray. Life moves fast. And I read it and I thought, wow, we're putting Kyler in that group? We're putting, okay, like the, we talked about the car thing yesterday. The car thing I get. Fire Raiders fan. He's been there since 2014. I may have not been on board with giving him the contract extension. I got a chance to get off that contract and only have like five million hit of dead money the next year and I cut him and move on. I'd be willing to do that. Russell Wilson, same thing. He's 33 years old. He looks completely washed up. We, are we, are, are, are there enough people reaching out to, to Andrew Brandt, putting Kyler in the Derek Carr, Russell Wilson I don't category think. for him to include his name? I don't think so. I was, I was very surprised when I read that. I, think I just did, don't feel like we're there yet. I just think he needed a third name to prove his point. <laughs> I think that's what that was. You think so? Yeah, I think his tweet sounded better if he had three names. I mean, I remember like a month ago. ESPN did, somebody at the Athletic ESPN did a story in which they looked at, at recent quarterback contracts and it kind of painted a picture for all of them how hard it would be to get out of them. And Kyler was in the story, Aaron Rodgers, there were a lot of quarterbacks in the story. And they painted this picture 
Like, it's financially almost impossible to get out of this deal for the next two years. I mean, the, the, it's just a ridiculous amount of dead cap money, cap money, all of it. And, and so I dismissed it because there's really nothing to talk about right now. But our, our, I was just very surprised to see Andrew Brandt put Kyler in a conversation that includes Derek Carr and Russell Wilson as quarterback contracts you want to get out of. Yeah, well, they should have left the homework clause in there. They could have gotten out of it mm-hmm. that, that way. <laughs> um I, I got to tell you, I, I we all see the regression. We all have questions about Kyler Murray. We have questions about the height. We have questions about the work ethic. We have questions about the attitude. But I, for one, there's still something in that young man's talent that I believe in. I saw it on the field with my own two eyes for seven games, and you you had a really good retort to that. It said Tim, it was only seven games. I mean, how much can we put? It's it's he's played almost four full seasons. We want to hitch our wagon to seven games. Absolutely valid point. But I saw something in his play that was that was special, and there were signs of it before those seven games too, as the team kind of built up their record over three years, and he became, you know, he's been to a couple Pro Bowls. I mean, that wasn't an accident either. So I think there's something there. I I, I just, for one, before, before I throw the baby out with the bathwater, I, I want to see him with a new coach. I want to see him with a new coordinator. I want to see him with a new front office. Yeah. I want somebody in Kyler Murray's ear that Kyler Murray will listen to, that he won't swear at, that he respects, that runs an offense that works I want to see him with an offensive line that actually stays healthy and together, that wants to be out there for 17 national anthems, not four, like his starting center this past year. I want to surround Kyler Murray with the pieces on and off the field that give him a better chance to win. And having said all that, I want Kyler Murray to demand more out of himself Mm -hmm. when it comes to studying and work ethic and how he handles himself inside the locker room, outside the locker room, because... As much as we wanted to bury Patrick Peterson for what he said, maybe Patrick shouldn't have said that. Maybe that was none of his business out there in Minnesota. But I don't think he should be ignored. And then then in in that ESPN story, you know what? Cliff, through his own sources, said the same thing. Kyler Murray's attitude is rubbing off on his teammates the wrong way. Yeah. So, so a lot of that needs to change. I'd forgotten about that part of the story, but yeah, there was that. Yes, there was. The, the fatigue of the negative attitude. Yes. The suggestion that there was fatigue right. with so the negative Pat- attitude. So Patrick Peterson can say it, and Cardinal fans can want to bury Patrick Peterson, but yeah. there's Cliff Kingsbury having the same exact concerns no about doubt. the way Kyler carries himself. And it was, you know, and of course, you were filling in for Gambo when all that went down, and as we talked about many times, and some, it was the way Patrick Peterson went about it that I think pissed a lot of people off, but there were of certainly course. shades of truth to, of to what he was saying. It was just how he said it that really made everybody mad. No, look, I, I, I think before we can include Kyler in a conversation like that, and in full disclosure, if I were a Raiders fan, I'd be ready to move on from Derek Carr. And if I were a Broncos fan, I would certainly be thinking, oh, my God, how the hell do we get out of this deal? But as a Cardinals fan, to sit here and say, I'm ready to explore those options with Ky- No, we've, we've waited too long for a potential franchise quarterback in his prime around here to say, you know, six months after he signs the deal, okay, when's the next guy coming in, right? Like, we, we've we waited too long to have a potential franchise quarterback here to already decide, you know what, on second thought, we don't have one here. What you have to do is you have to find that guy within that organization who will reach the very 
best version of Kyler Murray, who who will make Kyler Murray want to be the very best version of himself, and and that has not happened. I mean that that's it's happened maybe in spurts, and certainly for that seven game stretch you talk about last year, it happened. But it's obvious that with the regression, there has to be some sort of a reset with the mechanism when it comes to Kyler Murray and what's going on around Kyler Murray. And you just can't reach any conclusions until that happens. I, think, I don't think you can. I think it would be a very side but yet important benefit of hiring Sean Payton. And I'll tell you why. Uh, not only is he a great football coach that can win you a Super Bowl, I think Sean Payton would get Kyler Murray's attention. Uh, I think Kyler Murray needs a head coach that he's going to respect that he's going to listen to, that he's going to believe in, and say to himself, okay, I know this guy knows what he's talking about. If I do what he tells me, I can win a Super Bowl. I'm going to fall in line. I'm not just going to do whatever the hell I want to do because Sean Payton's here. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to become a better player. I'm going to become a better teammate, and we're going to win some football games. Real quick, it's a little bit like when a young Kobe Bryant finally had Phil Jackson as his coach. And I've talked about this before. Kobe Bryant was a wild stallion and an awful teammate and was not harnessed as a basketball player. And he was doing whatever the hell he wanted to do there in the late 90s. Finally, they got Phil Jackson in there. And it's like, whoa, that's Phil Jackson. Yeah. This guy coached Michael Jordan. This guy's got six rings. You know, I'm going to listen to him. And, you know, Shaq was a little like that, too. You know, like, oh, we got Phil here. Phil here? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, Kobe's like, shape up, right? Phil, Phil, okay. This Coach Michael won six titles. I'm going to listen to what he says and what happened. The rest is history. Title after title after title. So a little bit like that to kind of control a young man with immense talent who may not have the right attitude or mental framework around that talent. A coach like that can get his attention and get the best out of him as a man and a player. If you're headed to the college football semifinal at State Farm Stadium, get the party started at the College Football Hall of Fame free tailgate from 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. Music, food, beverages, special guests. It's going to make this tailgate party memorable. Admission is free. 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. It's a big upcoming off season for an entire organization and certainly for one former first-round pick. What does the future hold for Isaiah Simmons and the Arizona Cardinals? That's coming up. Burns and Gambo, Tim Ring filling in. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Right, pop on that mic and tell us the answer to that question. Okay, so you guys were asking, for those that are unaware why I have the microphone on in the first place, the last player coaches in sports? Yes. So I'm seeing from Wikipedia, for NBA, Dave Cowens with the Celtics from 78 to 79, and the then, Cowans. as Eric said earlier, Pete Rose was the last one in Major League Baseball. Been a while. It's been a minute. It's been a while. Apparently, Tom in 2020, Lynch. remember when the Broncos had no quarterbacks for that game because of the COVID restrictions? Yeah, yeah. They tried to get one of their assistant coaches to play quarterback in that game, and they were denied. Vaguely remember that. You're a Broncos fan. You would... Was that on the way? I blocked that out of my memory, so of course I don't remember I it. Vaguely, I vaguely remember them trying that. How do we even get on the conversation about player coach? I don't know. The Cardinals have had a few. Jimmy Conzelman was a player coach in the 20s and 30s. Ernie Nevers was. Tom Landry was a player coach to, or player defensive coordinator uh, for the Giants. 
Ditko was, right? Wasn't he a player coach? I don't think Ditko was. I could have sworn he was a player coach at some point. But I could be, you would know more about Ditka than I would be. Martin Prado, remember him from the D-backs? He did it for one day in 2016 at the end of the season for the Marlins. Get out, really? Yep. He started himself at third base and then pulled himself out after uh, three innings. Martin Prado. What coach was he? Final game. He was the player manager. He was the manager yeah, of the Marlins he, for one game? For one game. Actually, I remember Anthony Rizzo did this last year with the Yankees. What, for one game? They were game? already in, so I guess Boone took a day off and let Rizzo do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that doesn't really count. Like, he no, wasn't but, the, the but so manager. I, but yeah. I, I, I don't remember that. And I don't remember Martin Prado doing it, and I certainly don't remember Anthony Rizzo doing it. What? He even did all the Boone mannerisms, too. It was pretty, it was eerie. Ziri. Wow. So in addition to going down that rabbit hole today, uh, the last time there was a player coach, player manager, we went down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out if Andrew Brandt and, and uh, Kyle Brandt are related. And then we looped in Gil Brandt into the conversation as well. It Grandfather, father, son. It doesn't sound like any no. of them are related to each other at all. But then I'm on Kyle Brandt's Wikipedia page. Man, that dude's he's he's had a very impressive, interesting, eclectic career, to say the least. Like he's he's all over the place. He was on Days of Our Lives for three years. He was he does a great job on Good Morning Football. He's all over. He's Bill done Simmons, a lot of stuff. Yes. Ringer podcast. He's done a lot of stuff. So we've gone down some rabbit holes today, and now it's time to go down another one here on the Burns and Gambo Show. This is Vance Joseph earlier today. On okay, Buda Baker. We we know he fractured his shoulder in the last game this past week, and he's out for the rest of the season. What does Vance Joseph do without Buda Baker? I'll play the answer. Well, you know, for Buda, he's had a great year. You know, so his part has been you know. Completed. I told him so. You know, moving forward, just to play some young guys and you know watch uh, you know, other guys play safety. It's going to be fun for me to watch and evaluate for next year. But um, you know, Buddha's had a great year, and you know he's he's obviously banged up. And if he could play, he he would play. But he has obviously got about three months of healing. You know, but he should be fine moving forward. So who replaces Buddha for these last two games? Well, right now is a combination of uh, Isaiah and Banjo. You know, we got to move some guys around just to get the best eleven guys on the field. You know, we. Down Ham, maybe we're down Marco, maybe you know. So we've got to move some guys around and get the best level on the field. Okay, so first of all, you know, credit where credit's due, and it's got to be said. Buda Baker, incredible, unbelievable. Uh, I didn't watch Hard Docs last night. You did, but apparently they documented when it was that he actually hurt himself in that game last night, and. Um, and so he played through it, continued to make tackles, continued to play, but now he's got the fracture in his shoulder and he's out for the season. I didn't really want to have a conversation about Buddha. I wanted to have a conversation about Isaiah Simmons, though. Yeah. The year's almost done. I, I don't know if there was a player we talked about more at the beginning of the season than Isaiah Simmons. I don't know if there's a player we talked about more during training camp than Isaiah Simmons. We're at the end. Now, there's two games left. What conclusions can we draw about Isaiah Simmons? That there's no conclusion yet on where his best position is, and it's extremely frustrating. And you saw the graphic they put up the other night about how the percentage time he's played slot corner has gone up and up and up and up. Yep. And we've seen this with the Cardinals. Uh, the, the inability to find a home for Hassan Reddick probably played a role in his departure, which ultimately turned out to be far too premature. Because he's found a home, obviously, as one hell of an edge rusher in this league. And had the Cardinals figured that out earlier, they probably would have not let him get to the point where he could walk away. So again, the issues with trying to find a home for these guys where they belong, 
and I get it. Like Isaiah Simmons came out of college, and that's what he was known for, kind of this jack-of-all-trades. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He could play multiple positions, but what is what was once seen as a a a positive uh, aspect of his game is 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 now kind of turned into a negative. Like, where do you put him? Because being a jack of all trades, master of none, doesn't I don't think, do you much good. I don't think it's it? serving him well or nope. his team. Nope, he's too good of a player. And let's be honest, is he that great in coverage? I mean, he gets exposed more than not. So that that's where that's where he's going to live. Now in the secondary, trying to cover, yeah, slot receivers <laughs> you know, and tight ends and and and, and wideouts. I mean, if if you missed it from the Christmas broadcast, the the graphic that Tim is alluding to, they they, they put up there where his you know where he's lined up and and uh, there there has been an overwhelming abundance of him lining up in the slot cornerback. I'm looking at Pro Football Focus and. Um, if their numbers are accurate, and I have no reason to believe that they're not. He has played 373 snaps as a slot cornerback this year. That is more than twice as many as he played last year. I mean, that has become, I don't want to say his main position, because he's also lined up in the box for 262 snaps and on the defensive line for 106 and free safety for 11. But it does, you know, if you look at his snaps, the number of slot snaps that he's had as a corner from 71 to 161, not a 373, was still two games to go, right? And and I I you're right. We still don't know where on the field do you put Isaiah Simmons where he's going to impact football games in the best possible way. Do we even know the answer to that question yet? No, but it also falls under the umbrella of maybe a new regime can come in and figure it out. I know we just heard Vance Joseph say, hey, I want to get a look at some guys for next year. Okay. Okay, so here's the question. Okay, then. Vance, I, you know. Here's the question. Don't know if we're going to be here, buddy. First round pick. If you're going to pick up his fifth year option, he's done three years of his contract. He's going into year number four. If you're going to pick up the fifth year of his contract as a first round pick, you have that right to do it. But I believe you have to do it this offseason. I think you have to do it sometime and then by March, April. You got to do it. They don't have enough playmakers on that defense. They don't have enough stars. They don't have enough studs. And that's what I was priming the pump for. Yes. Do do you you blindly say, you know what? We got to pick it up. We got to pick it up because we got to buy ourselves that extra year because we can't do the Hassan Reddick thing yes. again. We can't not pick it up. Have him figure out what he's great at in year four, and then watch him walk and go somewhere else where we can't afford to keep him. Do you just blindly pick it up, even though even though his play on the field this year probably hasn't warranted an automatic blind pickup of a fifth year option? Because, in my opinion, his play on the field hasn't warranted that. His play on the field has not warranted a no-brainer, let's just pick it up and bring him back for his fifth year. I don't think it has. All right, in, in the new GM and new head coach, if they arrive, in, in, in them I trust, they'll come in and make that decision. And, and I'll live with it because we trust, we trust the new regime. Okay. Until they give us a reason not to. <laughs> <laughs> They've got two weeks. <laughs> Impress no, us. No, let, or let, let's say, let's say uh, Joe Smith comes in, he's the new GM, and uh, Jim Johnson comes in, he's the new head coach. And they're both like, you know what? We've, we evaluated the film for three years. Isaiah Simmons can't play a lick. We're not picking it up. The new, uh, we don't care when he was drafted, how high he was drafted. He can't play. We're moving on. We don't know 
We don't owe anybody anything. Okay. We'll, we'll trust you guys. Or they may say, the old regime is playing this guy out of position. They got to move it over here, move it over here. You can't grow. You can't become a player if you don't know where you're playing each, each, each week you take the field. This guy is absolutely an outside linebacker. That's where he's going to play. That's where he's going to stay. And that's where he's going to grow and get better. He's not moving out of that position. We don't know what the hell these guys were doing the last three years. I'd love to hear that coming out of their mouths, too. <laughs> You'd love to hear them yes. push the old regime under the bus on their way into town. Look, I but there's I, precedent that these guys don't know where to play guys. So sound ready. Well, and there's 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 precedent in drafting and and I'll give them credit for this. Zaven Collins appears like that's on the path to working. Okay? Like Hassan Reddick didn't work fast enough. Isaiah Simmons might not be working fast enough. Year two of Zaven Collins, I feel pretty good about what they did with Zaven Collins. He still makes mistakes out there, but I, I see him out there and it looks like he's a good functional piece moving forward and I'm happy with him. But too often this regime would do that with these unicorn like guys, you know, the Hassan Reddicks, the Dayon Buchanans, the, the the Isaiah Simmons, oh, he can do this, oh, he can do that, oh, he can play here, oh, he can play there, yeah. But he was never really elite at anything until with Hassan Reddick, almost by accident, they discovered that what he is, in fact, elite at is as an outside pass rusher, that he's not too small to handle the position. And once they let him do that, he was great. But by then, it was too late. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He walked, and now he's making a mint playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, and they just can't repeat that with Isaiah Simmons. They've, I think the new regime has to blindly pick up that fifth-year option, if for no other reason, to buy themselves another year to make sure they don't repeat the same mistake they did with Hassan Reddick. Even though I don't think Simmons' play has warranted it. I, I, I agree. I, I agree because of what I said earlier. They, they they are void of playmakers and athletes on that defense. They got to try to fix Simmons so he can be one of those guys. But you're right about Vance. It's funny hearing. It's not funny. It's it's curious always hearing coaches talking about you know guys that they need to take a look at for next year right. when everybody knows that we have no okay. idea what next year is going to look like. Right. Well, okay. No idea. Okay, Vince. We come back. Two guys could shake up the quarterback market this offseason. It's always shaky. But all eyes are on Vegas. Who's coming? Who's going? And where? Next, Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. What's on tonight? What is on tonight? Coyotes Hockey is on tonight. In fact, I saw a tweet from, um, you're a Chicago guy. You'll enjoy this, I think. Um, at least one element of this. I'm looking at the Twitter account of Craig Morgan. He covers the Coyotes for PHNX Sports. Just heard, he writes, that Vince Vaughn will be at Mullet Arena tonight for the Coyotes Maple Leafs game. I wonder why. Right? He's a Chicago he's a, he's a big time Chicago guy. He's right? a Chicago guy. Is he here for filming a movie? Is he, I mean, would he be here for the Fiesta Bowl? I mean I don't know. 
I'm trying to think, is there any other... I mean, the Cardinals are on the road. They're in Atlanta. No. The Suns are on the road. They're in Toronto. He's actually a big Notre Dame fan because he was in Rudy. And I know that (laughs) he he, he was. (laughs) You're right. Michael Phelps is also going to be there at the game tonight. Um, He's local. He lives here. Um, But yeah, so what's on tonight is the Coyotes taking on the Maple Leafs. And Vince Vaughn will be in attendance. Austin Matthews, of course, the local kid coming home. There are going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of Austin Matthews jerseys in that building tonight. I would imagine half of his family is going to be there. Um, it should be a lot of fun. It's it's one of those. I'm, I'm actually low key a little envious. I'm not going to be there tonight. That I, that would be a really fun game to be at. I would think because the Coyotes have played really well at home. The Maple Leafs are, are good. Austin Matthews is a local guy. It, it, that'd be a fun game to go to. I'd look forward to that. You don't think uh, Bill Armstrong's really going to not leave us 20 tickets for, for the game tonight? I don't think so. He Bill said Armstrong. he would. I know. He promised. Just go. Did he? Pr- I should just go. You know yeah, what? go. And if, he said show up. Just yeah. show up and go to Will Call. You I, go, and if they're there, call me, and I'll <laughs> come down with 18 friends. <laughs> then, um, locally, that's it for tonight, but they're... Are a few bowl games on tonight, including one Pac-12, Pac-12 to the, team, the Alamo Bowl, with a couple of uh, blue bloody programs, Texas and Washington tonight, seven o'clock, the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio. You know what? For a for a second tier bowl game, you got a Pac-12 team, and you got two top twenty teams, and you got a blue blood in Texas. Washington, Texas, and the Alamo Bowl right yeah. now. The, hey, the Cheez It Bowl is going on right now. Oklahoma leads Florida State 17 11. That game being played down in Florida. Another couple of blue bloody programs right there. Maybe not having the season that they thought they were going to have. Minnesota, but, uh, Minnesota already beat Syracuse yep. uh, at Yankee Stadium in the Pinstripe Bowl 28 20, the final there. And then, of course, uh, Thursday night football tonight. Although I, I saved this one for last because I just don't know. I, I almost want to watch just to see how grumpy Al Michaels is. Oh, he's going to be grumpy. Tonight. Oh, he is going to be so grumpy tonight. I mean, the Tennessee Titans are starting Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. He was on the Lions practice squad like 10 days ago. They're, they're not, no Derrick Henry. They got like eight guys that they're sitting tonight because the, the, the untold, oh, I mean, it's been told. But the thing about tonight's game is that for the Titans, it doesn't matter. They win tonight, lose tonight. The only thing that matters to them is their game next week against Jacksonville. And for Jacksonville, it's the same thing. Their game this weekend against Houston does not matter. Win, lose, the only thing that matters is the Week 18 matchup between the Titans and the Jags. It's a winner and you're in kind of game. And so the Titans are like, screw it. It's a Thursday night game. We're on a short week. Sit everybody. Rest everybody. It's why the Texans could win and help the Cardinals get that that number one overall all draft pick. You know, the so Al Michaels so accustomed to getting one of the best games every week, right? He's, he's getting a good dose of Thursday night football. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, they're used to getting America's game of the week, right? The best game on Fox Sunday every week they got. Now they're getting the dog crap Monday night football game. <laughs> and they're all getting grumpy. Did you see Joe Buck go at Scott Van Felt on I Monday did. night? I, 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 so I, he's all grumpy and Al's all grumpy. You know, those guys, hey, check your bank account, okay? <laughs> check your direct deposit every Put other Friday. smile fr- on your face. It's yeah. going to be all right, Al. You'll be fine. Right. Check your di- direct deposit every other Friday. <laughs> That'll make you feel better, you guys. And nobody, I, nobody told you to take the eighteen million a year. 
Welcome to welcome to life outside of Sunday night football in America's game of the week. Some of these Thursday night games have been, and, and, and you know, but you that's get, always you, been the case. Uh, usually is the case, yeah. Where very few of them you look at on paper and go, "Oh my God, that's a great game." Now, in fairness to Joe and to Troy, this Monday, okay, I'm stopping what I'm doing and watching Monday night football. It's the Bills and the Bengals. Bring that's a, it. That's a good one. Bring it. Uh, that that one I want to watch because is I think you and I were talking about. Last week or the week before when you were filling in for Gambo, three elite AFC teams, and the goal is going to be to be the one that doesn't have to play two of them, right? right. That's the goal. You know, because one of those teams is going to have to play two of the others to get where they want to go. Try to be the team that only has to play one of the others. And and that's why, that's in part why that matchup has a lot of appeal to me. That, and I think the Bengals... Man, everyone's been talking Bills, Chiefs all year long, and I think the Bengals might actually be the one to come out of that conference when it's all said and done. I like them a lot. Well, because Joe Burrow has the moxie and oh, the yeah. talent to go win a game on the road. Oh, yeah. Joe, he doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. He didn't. I almost cussed. Yeah, I almost needed the dump button. Dump. Dump. No, don't dump anything, Mitch. No, don't, don't dump. I almost said He doesn't give a He does not give a you-know-what. Right. I'm Joe Burrow. I don't care. We'll go play in the parking lot. Yeah. Think I'm, think I'm scared of you, Rich Stadium? Do they even call it Rich Stadium anymore? No. <laughs> uh, they might. No, it's got to have a sponsor, right? Well, Arrowhead doesn't, does it? No, it doesn't. Think I'm scared of you, Arrowhead? I'm Joe freaking Burrow. You're looking up what Buffalo Stadium is called now? I'm sure it's not called Rich Stadium anymore. Uh, Highmark Stadium. I, I was t- I was today years old when I heard Highmark Stadium Highmark for the Stadium. first time in my <laughs> home of the home of the it opened in 1973 as Rich Stadium. God, Wikipedia is so great. Um, did, did you have any idea it was Highmark Stadium no, until right God, now? No, 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 no. Mitch, no. had you ever heard it called Highmark Stadium? No, it was. These were no. It was New Era Field for a while. Uh, it was just Bill's Stadium in 2020, and then I guess Highmark came in and, and paid the big bucks to name the place. So. It's always going to be Rich Stadium. Damn right. In Orchard Park. You're damn right it is. My uh, brothers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, do you think Wolfley would have known it was Highmark Stadium? No. No. And even if he did, he wouldn't call it. He would call he it would Rich admit Stadium. He to knowing it was Highmark Stadium. <laughs> he never would cop to that. He would never say such a thing. So yeah, there's some stuff on tonight. There's some stuff to watch tonight. Thursday Night Football might be down the list a little bit. And then, of course, tomorrow uh, we'll be back, but separately. Tim will be filling in on the morning show for Vince. I'll be back in the afternoons on 2, at 2 o'clock, I should say. Kellen Olson will be filling in. And we're not done yet. We've actually got bonus Burns and Gambo coming up here in a minute or two. Um, we'll take you right up until 6.30 with that Coyotes game. Just real quick, the thing that we were going to talk about this segment, and then we just started talking about everything else but, is <laughs> this rumor that Tom Brady, now Derek Carr is not the quarterback of the Raiders and has been sent home by the team, that target numero uno for the Raiders might be... Tom Brady to be the quarterback there next year. Well, there's certainly the you know the, the Josh McDaniels tie, and I, I guess, and you know what I said earlier, I, I I believe with Tom Brady, you never know. When he left New England in 2019, I would have never thought he'd end up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
there was no connection to Tampa. None. I mean, the, 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 you could try to connect the dots to other places. I mean, Mike Vrabel, that was thought of. And obviously, San Francisco's always hanging around out there. But for Brady, to me, if he's going to play one or two more years, maybe even one, I, I, I would assume he's going to want to go to a place that he thinks can win a Super Bowl. Do the Raiders really check that box? I mean, he may love he may love McDaniel's. He may love the idea of playing in a place that doesn't really get all that cold again. And you know, Las Vegas might have some appeal as a place to live. Now that he's single, especially right, Woo-hoo, Vegas, <laughs> Vegas, baby. Um, something tells me Tom Brady will do all right. No I was going to say something tells me Tom Brady doesn't need to go to Vegas to yeah. enjoy being single. Yeah. Just just a guess. I, again, I, I just I, I look I look at the Sanford unless the 49ers win a Super Bowl with the quarterback they have right now. I just look at that as the the perfect marriage for a guy like Brady and a team like the 49ers if they fall short this year looking for that final piece. Yeah, but that, cri- that criteria that you laid out though about the Raiders, I think the same thing could have been said about to your point, the Bucks three years ago. I, I mean, nobody thought the Bucks were a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl champion, and yet he chose them anyway, right? Like it's not like it's not like he used that criteria to choose Tampa Bay. Right. I'm Tom Brady. I'll make you a Super Bowl right. champion, and he did. And he did. And you know what? I guess that would be. That's what makes it fascinating to watch is that does Tom Brady still have that? I'm Tom Brady. I will make you a Super Bowl contender. You know, does he have that tool in his tool belt, or is that gone? I suspect that's gone. I think he had it a couple years ago when he joined Tampa Bay. I don't think he has it now. The way he missed Julio Jones in the end zone on Christmas night, those throws have, but but Bernsey, those throws have happened a lot lot. this year. Oh yeah, there was. It's like, what the hell's going on? There was Brady? one like little four yard pass to Russell Gage that Collinsworth during the broadcast was like, I don't know, folks, I don't know how you explain how he missed, yeah. how he missed throw that ball. You know, maybe he just walks away. Maybe I, I, I don't know. I've got a bet with Gambo that he does, and I'm regretting it. I have a feeling he's not walking away now. When I made that bet, I, I have a feeling he's not walking away now. I, I don't know. I just don't know if he wants to go out the way this season is going to end for him, unless they go through some kind of run in the playoffs that shocks the hell out of everybody. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, bonus Burns and Gambo taking you right up until 630. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. On with you until 6.30. We've got bonus Burns and Gambo today as we've got the Coyotes coming up at 7 o'clock from Mullet Arena. They're taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we take you right up until the pregame coverage at the bottom of this hour. 6.30 is when we're off the air today. And um, since it's, look, they're 5-1-1 at home in December at Mullet Arena. They've played very, very well there. And they've notched over the course of the season some very surprising wins so far this year. Certainly the one they just had a couple days ago against the Colorado Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champs, certainly qualifies as that. We thought it best to spend a couple minutes talking about the Coyotes as they're getting ready to take on the Maple Leafs. And so joining us right now from Arizona Sports, from the Coyotes, our own Luke Lipinski, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show, co-host of the Wolf and Luke Show from 10 until 2 every day. He's down there at Mullet Arena right now. Luke, what's going on, man? How we doing? I'm good. How you guys doing? Good, good, very good. I I would imagine they're in a building that I'm sure there's a lot of Austin Matthews fans. I would imagine this is going to be a pretty electric atmosphere tonight. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's always good when Toronto gets here. These all these games so far, Mullet Arena have been good this year, and they played well here, so that obviously helps too. So yeah, this, expecting a pretty good atmosphere here tonight. It's already pretty loud. What from your perspective? Uh, I, I'm looking at a tweet from you yesterday, day before. Already the the Coyotes have beaten Colorado. Already they've beaten Boston, Carolina, Florida, Buffalo, Washington. Some of the best teams in the league. Some of the best players in the league. From your perspective, how, why, what's the formula? What's allowed them to do this? I mean, they, they've tried to carve out this identity of, of just being a team that will outwork you. And we talked to the head coach, Andre Turney, on Wednesday, and he said the biggest thing, you know, he felt like they worked last year. The biggest difference between last year and this year is now they've done it together for a year and a half. And so they have, they have that team chemistry. And some of those teams, you know, maybe you sneak up on them, but – like Colorado in particular, they beat them three times in a row. So I don't, I don't think they're sneaking up on Colorado. Same thing with Toronto; they beat them three times in a row. If they can beat them again tonight, Boston best record in the league. Carolina second best record. Florida had the best record last season. Let's talk about Lawson Kraus a little bit. We had him on the show yesterday. Fourteen goals in thirty-two games. He's on a real good pace for the season. From in terms of justifying that contract, that I know a lot of people had some questions about this off season. How his his start kind of quieted some of those questions. Luke. All right, you're breaking up. It's a little bit loud, but I, I heard something about Lawson Kraus. They they like him just because he's somebody they can play up and down the lineup, which is not the easiest thing in the world to find. And he's just kind of become a leader on this team. So he's somebody that can play physical. He can play fast. He can do a little bit of everything. And when you're a team that's in a rebuild, you need guys like that. Yeah. All right. I, I get the impression it's very loud down there. So we're going to let Luke go so he can go cover the game. Luke, we appreciate the time. All right, man. Thanks. All right, thanks, Virgie. Yeah, you got it. I, I, I got the impression from Luke. Normally, he's more than happy to talk about the Coyotes, Mitch. I got the impression from Luke that it was a little difficult, which is good. That's great. It's a tiny arena. The acoustics are very, very effective there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Vince Vaughn reportedly is there. Uh, Michael Phelps reportedly so this is, is there. This is what I'm confused about because I was looking it up. I thought I had saw that Vince Vaughn had some sort of connection with the Fiesta Bowl. But I'm not seeing the facts that back that up. So did, now you, I'm, did you Google that bad boy? I, I tried to Google that bad boy. Couldn't find anything? No. Is he... I don't know where to look next for that. I'm assuming you're going to do exactly what I'm doing here. Vince Vaughn Fiesta Bowl. Let's see what comes up. Uh, no, I got nothing. I got nothing. Well, then I got nothing either. Uh, no, I got, <laughs> I got uh, uh, Jock Vaughn. <laughs> I don't even know why that came up. But What would he have to do with the Fiesta? Uh, nothing. I don't know. I just when I Googled it, that's what, that's what came up for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, it should be a fun game tonight. And, and the Austin Matthews thing, look, this is... Look, I remember a couple of years ago, everybody trying to come up with these dream scenarios where the Coyotes could somehow get Austin Matthews here because it'd be like the perfect player in the perfect scenario. Obviously, that's not going to happen. He's one of the best players in the league, and he's in a situation that he loves in Toronto. I think that element tonight is going to make it a lot of fun. I mean, you're, you're talking about literally the the shining example of how hockey has influenced a different generation here in town. Austin Matthews is the poster child for that, right? Coyotes hockey growing up here, now becoming one of the best players in the NHL. He's going to have so many friends and family there. I think so many fans there. Just Not only just because he's Austin Matthews, but because we do get a lot of Canadian visitors here this time of year. And I imagine, I, I would think that was a pretty tough ticket to get for a building that's only 40 
4,700 strong. I would imagine not everybody was able to get into a game like that well, tonight. Because Austin probably bought up all the tickets for all the people he wanted to sit there. No, in, in reality, I agree because the competitiveness of a game that is only a 45, 5,000 seat arena, it definitely, one, increases the price, but two, you're definitely getting the value of that. First of all, have you been there yet? Been there, but not for a game. So I went there Tuesday. Okay. Because Colorado was there. Oh, that's right. You're a big and Colorado the, fan. Yeah. And the way that the arena is set up, it is very much like you're in a collegiate, multi-purpose arena. And I sound paranoid talking about this, but the angle of that lower bowl of seats feels steeper than like at Healer River Arena where it felt flatter as it slowly made his way up. So you not only feel close to the action, but you feel like right on top of the action, only a few rows up. Almost as if the seats are angled more towards the, the, Somewhat, the yeah. ice. Yeah. But if, it really throws you off because then the puck goes into the corner and you're like, ah, I can't see because the person literally right next to me is blocking my one and only view of this one part of the ice. Wow. It's really tight. Well, was, was it? Was it? Okay, so I haven't seen a game there yet. Was the atmosphere everybody says that it is? I mean, is it is it nuts? It was pretty nuts. And so, somebody was jokingly asking me how how full was the arena. I'm like, there was there was not a lot of empty seats in that place. I mean, given the given the optics of it's the defending Stanley Cup champs, but also this this team has only had you've said five one and one six one and one. It's only had less than ten home games so yeah. far this year. You have to imagine that people are clamoring to get into there just to see what it's like and I was I was one of those people. No, I I definitely would put myself on that list. I I'm going to get there so I can see what it's like so I can experience it and, and just because it's it's and look it's not going anywhere. It's going to be like this, this even three best years, case scenario least. 3 years at least they're going to be playing there. So there will be plenty of opportunities to get to go see a game there, but while it's I want to see it while it's new. You know, like yeah. while it's 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 because at some point it will it will not be new anymore. It'll it'll just be what it'll it is. It'll just be Mullet Arena. Yeah, and and I, I mean, I think they'll always have a pretty easy time selling it out or coming close to selling it out because there's just such a limited amount of supply. But in terms of that, you gotta see this kind of like that new restaurant everybody's trying to get into. That's gonna have a shelf life, and there's eventually a line out the door, and yeah, eventually that line gets shorter. Eventually, it's gonna fade a little bit, and and I wanna I wanna get there and see it while it's still. New, so sometime in the next month or so, I need to I need to get to one of they've those. Got, they've got Shaq's uh, Big Chicken restaurant <laughs> inside the building. Yeah, they've got a couple of others. I remember from when we did the show there on opening night. There's a cold beers and a cheeseburger. That's right, cold beers and cheeseburgers. There's the Coors Light. Uh, like the know. pavilion yeah, or yeah. something the, like they that. They have yeah. something similar to that at ASU's football stadium because it, it's an ASU arena, obviously. And you know your basic concessions. What the friend that I went with, they joked. It's so much easier to get alcohol here than it is to the River Arena. <laughs> I'm sure it's not probably it's probably not a very far walk no. at all. So that game is coming up at six thirty. Then tomorrow, uh, the pregame's at six thirty. The faceoff is at seven o'clock. And then tomorrow, we're back with a full four hour edition of the show. Kellen Olson is going to be filling in for Gambo tomorrow. Of course, we'll have more Suns basketball to talk about. They're taking on Toronto. I imagine we're going to have a couple of conversations tomorrow about Pascal Siakam and whether he. 
is going to be available. Toronto, uh, kind of like Washington, not having the season that everybody thought, and a lot of people are looking at Toronto and wondering whether they're going to be true, legit sellers in all of this. Uh, the, the, the Suns, a lot of ink has been spilled. A lot of words have been said about whether they need to go make a move. Um, the reality of it is that we're still six weeks away from the trade deadline, and you just don't get that sense of urgency, like got to do it now from the Phoenix Suns. But um, will I, I imagine playing to Toronto tomorrow will spark a little bit of Pascal Siakam conversation. Well, and how whether- do you feel about Fred Van Vliet? Um, In the aspect of putting him on this current Suns team right now, because I feel like he's the other guy who's getting a lot of chatter. He's not having the Fred Van Vliet that he had become the past two seasons kind of year right now. But putting him behind Chris Paul doesn't I don't necessarily hate that. No, but he's not. He's not the wing that they need. They need. They need. Right. They need the. I mean, is he the score they need? I'll give you that. He's the score they need. Is he the wing player they need? Uh, he's not that. You know, he's. He, I. I need a, a guy who can score, but who's also a wing. I just don't think he fits the bill. You know. It's, well, then alternatively, if you're looking to save money, Toronto ha- apparently has a ton of guys that are just like six eight. Remember, they tried to get Thaddeus, or Thaddeus Young was in conversations last year. They still have him. Yeah. Then they've got a roadblock at the center position. I think they still have Ken Birch. They've got Chris Boucher. They've got a lot of big guys who could play a little bit smaller if you need them to. But I agree with you. Siakam's the big ticket if they end up deciding they want to If they decide they want to do that. And that's, it's it's funny. We started this NBA season thinking that there was going to be this big race to tank. That everybody was going to want Wemayama, the French kid, and and that teams were going to be tripping over themselves to lose as many games as they could. Kind of the opposite of that has happened. Yeah, there are teams at the bottom who aren't very good, but for the most part, just about every team, save for maybe three or four, are all within a game or two of the last play-in spot in each conference. And because of that, there just aren't a lot of sellers right now. My opinion is, is that the race started later than a lot of teams expected, but there were still... Like, the Rockets haven't won a ton of games. Charlotte hasn't won a ton of games. Orlando... Had a streak a little bit of like a week ago or so where they were looking good, but they're, they're probably not going to continue at the high level that they were playing at. Uh, San Antonio's another one. I mean, there's a there's few teams. teams, but but those teams having guys you would want, eh, not many yet. That'll change over the course of the next few weeks. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Coyotes hockey is next. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.